Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. There you go. Um, All right, man, all kinds of family stuff in the house today, isn't there? Isn't it good to just see all those kids up here? So good. It's so good. Good job, everybody. Good to see your little kids. I love that. Hey, if you want to, uh, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11 this morning. I want to continue a series we started last week called God at the Center. God at the Center. And what we're going to be talking about for a few weeks is hopefully just having a life where God is at the center. Uh, we, want to have a, we want to have a life where, where Jesus, uh, where some sort of an awareness of God is actually giving our life direction. It's the thing that's, that's bringing order to our life. It's the thing that's a, that's a foundation to our lives. And uh, we're going to be talking for a few weeks about how, how can we put God in the middle of our life? Like, how can we remember God? I was just talking with somebody this morning before church started, and we were just having a little moment just catching up on how things were. I haven't seen this person for a moment, and this person was saying, you know, hey, we've been through it just a little bit here lately. And I was like, oh, really? Tell me about that. And they were just saying, you know, it makes me very aware of how, how easy it is to forget God. It's not so much that you leave God, it's just that you forget him. You know, life gets complicated, life gets hard. And even, even really good people who are committed, just, you know, you can lose touch with the story of God. So we want to talk for a few weeks. How can we put God at the center of our lives? And you might be wondering as well, like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Um, well, here, here's the main reason why you'd want to have God at the center of your life. I was thinking about that a little bit this week. I think having God at the center of your life, like making that a goal for yourself, you'd want to do that because it actually reflects reality. Like, that'd be the main reason, I think. Um, if, you, if you're a Christian here this morning, or, or maybe you're not, the, the Christian story is something like this. Uh, there is a God. Uh, And this God made everyone and made everything. And so if that's the basic story, there is a God and he has made us, then reality should reflect some part of that story. And so to put God at the center of our lives, to say, you know what? I'm going to find my orbit around him. I'm going to let him orient me. He's going to be the foundation of my life. To put God at the center of our lives simply reflects reality for Christians. This is what we believe. We believe that God is the one who's made everything. And so if we live in some other way, it's to live counter to reality. And how many of you know if you live counter to reality, and you can, uh, you can live counter to reality for a while. Uh, How many of you know that it just makes your life like really complicated? Now, this is not a way for me to say if if you'll just live... With, with God at the center of your life, everything is going to get easy. That is not true either. But it does do something fundamental for us, which is this. It, 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 puts us, it puts us in congruence with the grain of the universe. It puts, us, it puts us in line with reality. You know, at a foundational level, it just says, you know what? I'm in line with reality. And so that's what we want to do. And uh, here's what I want to do this morning. Because we want to talk about God, having God at the center of our lives, um, I want to talk about prayer this morning. Like, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but if you're going to have God at the center of your life, you're going to have to pray. You're going to need to pray a little bit. And by the way, um, whether you're a Christian or not, 
Like every culture around the world is a praying culture. Uh, every religion is a praying religion. Why? Because there's something in the heart of man and there's something in the heart of women. We just know that we have, to com- there, we have a need to communicate. We have a need to communicate with God. And this is not just true for people maybe in other religions, but man, this is, this is true for Christians. Uh, you read the Bible. Uh, the Hebrew people, all the children of Israel, they prayed. The Old Testament prophets prayed. And I was thinking this week about the fact that Jesus prayed. Like Jesus is the son of God and Jesus prayed. Why? Oh my goodness. If Jesus needs to pray, how many of you all know that I need to pray? You know? And the disciples prayed. You know? And the early church prayed. And, and all the way through history, what you find is that people who are trying to orient their lives with God, everybody who tries to put God at the center is, is a praying people. And so we have to, we have to become praying people. And I just want to get right into it this morning. Reese's Pieces, can you put up Luke 11 for me this morning? Reese, you've been great this morning. I just want to say that. There was a lot of stuff thrown at him this morning, and he just handled it like a champ. I, I love this scripture in Luke. And uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit in a, in a moment as to why. But we're just going to read four verses to begin. Uh, once Jesus was in a certain place, uh, Luke, who's always so careful with how he writes, he gets real vague here for a minute. I think this is funny. Jesus was in a certain place. And as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That'll be our scripture for the morning. Uh, The first thing I want to say about being a person who has prayer in their lives Um, the first thing I want to say is this, is we have to learn how to pray. Nobody's born knowing how to pray. Like we have an ache to pray, um, but we have to actually learn how to pray. And don't you think it's interesting in the scripture this morning that the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, can you teach us? Can you teach us how to pray? It's interesting that like being around Jesus doesn't automatically make you a person who knows how to pray. Like walking with Jesus, maybe who knows how long they've been with Jesus at this point. Maybe they've been with Jesus for over a year at this point. Uh, it doesn't automatically, uh, doesn't automatically like just upload the ability to pray into you. No, in fact, you have to learn how to pray. And so if you're going to be a prayer person, the first thing to do is you have to take on, you have to take on the mindset of a student or a novice or an apprentice. You have to take on the mindset of a learner and say, Lord, would you teach me to pray? So the very first thing I want you to know about prayer is this. Uh, we have to let go of any, any expectation that we're experts. And the more I can get my mind and my heart into novice space, the more I'm actually entering into prayer. The more I take on the mind and heart of being a student, the more I'm actually beginning to enter in to pray. We have to learn how to pray. Uh, but here's what I want to say this morning about prayer. Very, very simply from the scripture this morning, I just want to say that Prayer is a lot of things, but it's mostly awakening. Like, what is prayer? Prayer is awakening. If I were to say very simply what prayer is, prayer is awakening. And when I say prayer is awakening, 
what I'm really wanting to do is I'm wanting to undo a lot of what some of us have learned growing up about prayer, you know? You know, some of us have learned for lots of different ways or reasons, like prayer is trying to get God to do things that we want, but he doesn't want to do, you know? You know, prayer is like bugging him uh, to do things he doesn't really want to do. Or prayer is like, prayer is how you become holy. Or, or prayer is how you become a good Christian. Like, no, not really any of that. Prayer is awakening. Prayer is waking up. That's what prayer is, I think, at the very, very foundation. And by the way, prayer doesn't change us either. That's the other thing I want you to know. Prayer does not change you. Uh, you've probably heard prayer changes you. Uh, if it does, it's only indirectly. Here's what prayer does, and this is what all spiritual disciplines do. Spiritual disciplines make space for you to be changed by God. That's what they do. So, so this idea that we need to take on prayer so that it can be a self-improvement project, you know, I gotta pray about my problems so that I can be a better person, let go of it. Prayer is awakening. And we're gonna talk about what we're gonna wake up to here in a moment. But the main thing I want you to understand is that prayer is not changing you. Prayer is making room for God to come into your life and to do whatever it is that God wants to do with you. God is who changes you. Jesus is who saves you. God is who changes you. God is who moves you. Prayer, fasting, reading your Bible, any of these things, Christian community, all the spiritual disciplines, they don't change you. They're just, they're just spaces where God can move in your life. You know, how many of you know you need spaces where God can move in your life? Like, it's the reason why here at the Vineyard we take a moment to do worship and we don't get in a big hurry about it, you know? Why? Because we, we need space to let the week go and to reorient ourselves around the fact that there is a God, I'm not him, and he is here, he has made us, and I am here for him, and I need to be touched by his spirit, you know? Worship doesn't change you. It is a space where, where the infinite one can come and begin to rest on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, so prayer is not a self-improvement project. Prayer is awakening. And I just want to walk very quickly through the four verses that we read in Luke, and you're going to see the three things that you wake up to if you will pray like Jesus taught us to pray. If you'll be a student in prayer, you'll learn that prayer is awakening to three things. Number one, we wake up to God. We wake up to his presence, his character, his power, and his work in our lives. Uh, number two, if you're taking notes, uh, we wake up to ourselves. And then number three, and number three is uh, we wake up to others. Look at the prayer that Jesus gives us in Luke. The very first thing he says to pray is this, Father, let your name be kept holy. What is this? Jesus is saying, you got to wake up to God. That's what prayer is. It's waking up to God. If you will pray, even the prayer that Jesus gives us, it's all about waking up to God. The next line is, um, may your kingdom come soon. It's waking up to God's kingdom. So we're going to wake up to God and we're, we're going to wake up to God's kingdom. And then the next part of the prayer is this. Give us this day the food we need and forgive us our sins. What is that? It's waking up to ourselves. Like prayer is meant to be the space where you can wake up to who you really are. Prayer is meant to be a place where you can actually get in touch with what are my real needs? What are my real needs? Uh, what are the things that I am really uh, actually have an appetite for? The things I actually have a hunger for? Here's the thing, church. If, if you don't pray and like figure out a way to pray fairly consistently, it's entirely possible you'll live a life that's really 
you'll, you'll be a mystery to yourself. But if you will pray, you'll wake up not only to God, but you'll wake up to who you really are. And you'll find out, you'll find out, you know what? I'm not really anxious about money. I'm, a, I'm really anxious about something else. I'm not really mad at my spouse. I'm really like, got something else going on. How do we know this? We're waking up to ourselves. And then look finally at this prayer that Jesus gives us. He says, um, give us the food we need and forgive us our sins. But he says, hey, forg- can, you, can you help us to forgive those who sin against us? And, and this, this is a way that Jesus is leading us to wake up to other people, to wake up to the world, you know? And, and by the way, uh, I actually think that we need to wake up to all three of these things at once. Uh, life without prayer, life without prayer can mean living asleep to really important realities. You know, maybe, maybe we become um, pretty unaware of all kinds of things. It's sometimes not easy to know who I am. Uh, it's easy to lose sight of God's kingdom or it's easy to lose sight of others. But here's what I know, especially given the prayer that Jesus gives us this morning, we actually need to wake up to all three and we need to wake up to all three of them at once. Um, Here's what happens if we don't. If we become awake to some of these things without the others, it becomes very debilitating. Like maybe we become aware of ourselves a little bit and maybe we become aware of our need, right? But maybe, maybe we're not aware of God or others. Here's here's the result of becoming aware of ourselves or our needs, but not becoming aware of God or others. The result will be working really hard for what God wants to supply us or is supplying us and treating others as competitors rather than brothers and sisters. Can I tell you something? If you only wake up to your needs, but you don't wake up to God and you don't wake up to others, then the thing that will probably happen is this you'll work really hard for things that maybe God is currently trying to supply you in your life and you'll treat brothers and sisters as competitors rather than family. There's a reason Jesus says this stuff to us. Hey, wake up to the kingdom. Wake up to my father. Wake up to the fact that you got some sin that needs to forgive and wake up to your life and your appetites and your desires and the fact that you need bread. Wake up to the fact that we need to somehow extend forgiveness Giving this to the world. We need to wake up to all three. If we wake up to others, but not to ourselves, by the way, this can happen. If we wake up to ourselves, if we wake up to others rather, but not to ourselves or God, well, we could end up ejecting out of the work and refinement that God intends for us to do by using our concern for others as a shield against his activity in our lives. I want to read that really slowly for us. One more time, if we wake up to others, but not ourselves, not, not, not the bread that we need, not the, the forgiveness that we need, if we wake up to our, others, but not ourselves or God, we could end up ejecting out of the work and refinement that God intends for us to do by using our concern for others as a shield against his activity in our lives. Or maybe we'll, give, we'll end up giving to others what we'd never allow for ourselves. Can I tell you something? God wants you to be good to other people. He also wants you to be good to yourself. Like, he wants, he wants to influence all of that. And so what is prayer? Prayer is what, it's waking up. It's waking up to God. It's waking up to me. And then it's waking up to us. 
That's what prayer is. And we have to wake up to all three, our needs and our weakness. And the thing that I just notice here in the prayer that Jesus gives us is, gosh, it's so important to wake up when it comes to ourselves. It's important to wake up to our, to our needs and our weakness. Like, give us, this, give us some food for today, God. That's our needs, right? And forgive me of my sins, God. That's my weakness. But it has to be held alongside waking up to God and to others. And, and by the way, anybody who's supposedly awakening to God but doesn't awaken to themselves, like who they are, how they affect other people, anyone who is supposedly awakening, God, awakening to God but doesn't wake up to other people, you can be pretty sure they're not really waking up to God. Waking up to God will always lead you to waking up to who you really are, and it'll wake you up to the people around you. That's how you know. That's how you know. A God-centered life is holistic. And it, 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 it's going to surprise us probably in a few ways. Um, one more thing in this vein. I find it really interesting the order that Jesus presents here. God, kingdom, food, sin, others, temptation. God, kingdom, Food, sin, others, temptation. Like, I, I think this order is actually really important. Like, for instance, the proximity, the proximity to forgiveness of sin, first mine and then others. It's interesting that Jesus wants to awaken me to my sin before I'm present to it in other people. I think this whole order is like a really big deal. Like, like Jesus wants to wake us up to our weakness before we become awake to the weakness in other people. And how many of you know that if you, if you don't pray, <laughs> if you don't ever pray at all, the, the thing that you'll probably do as a human being is you'll become very aware of other people's weakness, right? But not so much to your own. Isn't that funny how that works? I think the order here is really important. Life of prayer reorients all of that. I awaken to God. I awaken to his kingdom. I awaken to his supply. I also awaken to my need. I awaken to my sin and his forgiveness. And then to others. Then I awaken to my ability to forgive them. And then we awaken to temptation. God, just help me. How many of you know that if, if I'm not awake to my sin and to God's healing, I'll never pray about temptation? Like these things go together. Like the order matters and they, they, they go together. I mean, the whole list is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Y'all remember that little triangle thing, you know? It's like, it's like a little, like maybe you took psych one or something. You, you had Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know? You know, how many of you understand if you don't get the foundational things, you'll never get the stuff on top, right? And, and you know this. Uh, you know that if there's like a kid who's worried about food at home or if he's, if he's worried about like stability at home, how many of you know that the kid who's worried about like, like having enough to eat and having a bed to sleep on, how many of you know that that kid will never be able to move on to learning because that more foundation thing is just jacked up, right? I think when Jesus gives us this prayer in Luke 11, 1 and 4, or if you want to go to the other one in Matthew 6, I, I think Jesus is giving us like this hierarchy of stuff, right? And if you don't wake up to God, man, you're never going to wake up to yourself. 
And if you don't wake up to God, you're never going to wake up to your needs. And if you don't wake up to the fact that you have needs, then I'll never be able to wake up to the fact that other people have needs. If I'm unable to receive forgiveness for myself from God, I'll never extend it to other people. That's the way this thing works. Okay, really quickly, I want to give you four ways to pray. Four ways to pray, and we'll just sort of like blast right through this. Because we need to learn how to pray. Uh, There's probably 500 ways to pray, and I'm just going to give you four. And these are just ones that, these are just ones that I do, and you know, maybe one of them will work for you, and if it does, that's great. If it doesn't, then talk to Ray Hollenbach. He'll give you something. I don't know. He'll give you something else. I want to, I want to talk to you about how to pray. Number one, uh, walking. Walking. Uh, one of the best ways to pray is get out of your house and go for a walk. Uh, some, of us, some of us here have ADHD bird brain. Anybody here have that? You know, where you're just like, there's hamsters inside of your head. And you're like, you're not a bad person. You're not a dumb person. You're really smart. You are highly intelligent, but there's just lots of hamsters in your head. And if you're wondering who that is, it's me. I have hamsters in my head. And especially when I close the door to the room and it gets quiet, all the hamsters start getting on their wheels and all the wheels are squeaky. And all my hamsters, the squeaky wheels they have, they squeak at different frequencies, you know? And, you know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter how much I want to pray and how much prayer is in my heart. I can't do it because there's too many hamsters in my head. And let me tell you, the best thing to do when there's hamsters in your head and you want to pray is go walking. I don't understand this. There's probably some medical science about this. But if you will walk, the hamsters get quiet and you can literally talk to God you can literally talk to God for as long as you walk, and it's, it's like unbelievable. It just pulls things together. And I have theories about this. I think it probably has something to do with like embodiment, like being a person and getting into your physicality. Like physicality is a real big deal for prayer, and some of us here need to know how to pray. Here's a great way to pray. Go on a walk. Also, also if you go on a walk, like pick a loop. I found this to be very helpful too. I know when I pick a loop, I go down to the little Trace Pittman and I have like a little loop. Sometimes I don't, I, there's the three mile one, but then how do you know you can like get out and you can go, you know, with that one part where there's the circle? I can go down and to that and hit the circle and be back at my truck and it's like 19 minutes and I'm not even walking very fast. There's something about knowing that there's a closed loop for what I'm about to do that actually makes prayer like really great. Because I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's going to be 19 minutes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my mind on God and my family and myself. And I'm going to try not to hide anything and I'm going to talk out loud. I'm just going to walk. You know, it's a great way to do it. Walk and pray. Uh, here's the other thing about walking and praying. Anytime I'm really anxious, that's when I definitely walk and pray. If, if you're anxious about something, if something is like, coming up in your life and you're anxious and it's making you anxious enough that you feel like you need to pray about it, I just want to tell you, go on a walk. It will, it will let your anxiety come down so that you can actually talk to God about it. It's weird. Okay, number two, journal it. <laughs> this American life. Journal it. Ira Glass. Uh, this is actually my preferred method, and I'm not even a journaler. In fact, I hate journaling. 
But this is my preferred method. I'll just tell you how I do it. You can do this any way you want. Um, there's lots of ways to, to like prayer journal. You can just like start writing. You know, some of, some of you are like prayer journals, journalers and you write books every morning, you know? You just write all your feelings out. I don't do that. Uh, this is something I learned from Phil Strout. And this has, I learned this, Phil taught me this about seven years ago and this has changed my life. So one of my, one of my mentors in the faith taught me how to pray and to like do it in a journal in a way that was really great for me. Here's, here's what I do. I, I try to read the scripture every day. I don't read it every day, but I try. And more days than not, I read the scripture. So, but here's how I read the Bible. If it's just for devotional purposes, I don't, I don't have a set amount. I don't read a chapter. I almost never read a chapter. Uh, I have like a book I'm working through right now. So right now I'm reading Acts. I'm just reading Acts. And here's what I do. Uh, I, I just start reading in Acts and I read until something, something sparks for me. And by sparks, I just mean like, oh, that's cool. I don't even know. It doesn't, sometimes I'll read one verse. I'll just get in and it'll just be like one thing, you know? Or sometimes it'll be a chapter or sometimes it'll be like four or five verses. But I only read until something sparks. It, when, as soon as something sparks, I stop. And whatever the verse is that sparks, I just write it at the top of my journal. I write that verse out longhand at the top of my journal. I have all these verses in my current journal right now and they're all filled with Acts, right? And then what I do is I just, I pray just a little bit and I ask God for insight. Why is this, why is this resonating with me? And I'll write one or two lines down about that verse. Just, it's, it might be inside, and it's not even deep oftentimes. It's just like, that was cool. You know, you know it could be, it, it doesn't have, like no one's going to read this. There's no reason to be impressed. You know, it's, this is not a textbook. So I'll write the verse out. I, I, any insight I have about that verse, I'll write it out. Then I make a list and I go one to 10. I make a list of 10. And, and then I just write down either names, situations, or things I'm upset about or things that are popping to mind. And I literally limit it to 10. These are the 10 things I'm going to pray about today. And a lot of times it's just like people's names. It might, it might be like Andrew Ward, all of his problems, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but, it, but what I do is I just write people's names down or a situation or like, you know, whatever it is. I just write it down. And, but I just go to 10. And then I go back through the list and I pray for them. And I write like one or two words down beside each, each person or situation's name. I just write a, a couple words, just like, what is the thing I'm praying for them about that? And then I close my journal. It's just a real easy way. It probably 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. But here's what I love about journaling and praying like this. It keeps me in the scriptures, but then it also, there's this little artifact that's always being created. And you can go back through the months and years and you can see the things that you've been praying for and you can find all the answers that God has been doing. Like God is answering prayer all the time and we are mostly ignoring it. Not actively ignoring it. We're just, there's other stuff in front of our face. And you can go back and you have this little artifact of people that you prayed for, like, oh my gosh, their marriage got better. Or, or people who were sick and you're like, oh, they're here now and they're completely well. Or, or, or situations that were sideways that have straightened out. Like you can just put it in there. And if something's really bothering me, man, I'll put it in my journal for months. I'll put it in there for months. And if I tell you I'm praying for you, what that means is I'm writing your name down in my prayer journal, my little book. You know, that's a great way to do it. So you can walk it, you can journal it, have at it. I just write it down. Uh, number three, ways to pray. Memorize and recite. Real prayer doesn't have to be spontaneous. 
Can we say this again, charismatic people? Real, real prayer does not have to be spontaneous. In fact, in fact, if you've lived your life mostly doing spontaneous prayer, the thing you probably need most right now is to recite and to memorize and to let go of any ideas of spontaneity. Just let it go. Uh, here's, the other, here's the other thing I love about reciting or memorization as prayer. It's really great for the seasons of life. It's, it's great for those seasons of life when it feels like you run out of words. Anybody have prayer in their heart and you sit down to pray and you're like, I have no words. Like I don't even, I got nothing else to say. Man, let somebody else's words be your words. Like God is fine with that. How do you do that? Open up the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them. Find any part of it. Uh, look at the church mothers and fathers through history. There are amazing prayers. Find, find the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins and just like read it. Like read it and take it in. Begin to memorize it. Let it be, let it be the song and the prayer of your heart. Uh, you can also just go to the scriptures and find the prayers that Paul prayed. Here's, here's one I've been praying lately when it feels like I don't have any prayer in my body. I've just been, I've been reading this one over. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he just keeps going on. How many of you know you can read the first verse of that and be like, every spiritual blessing? You go back and do it again, you know? And if you read this prayer, like every morning for a week or two, how many of you know you'll begin to memorize it? And it'll walk with you. It'll just go with you. And all of a sudden, it's like coming back. Okay, number four, how to pray, sitting in silence. Finally, there's a kind of prayer that isn't connected to words at all. It's just sitting in the presence of God. Um, at one point in my life, I did this for about two and a half years. It was the only prayer I did. I just had no words in my body. Uh, I had very little faith in my body. And the only thing I could muster was just to sit in God's presence. And I would typically do it like this. I would just get my iPhone out and I would set an alarm for 10 minutes. And I would begin that prayer moment by saying, it's enough for me to be here with you. That was the only prayer. Some of us in the room, we just need to get off the religious hamster wheel we've grown up in. And the best way to do it is just to have a prayer life that is to sit in silence before God. To, to begin to absorb the reality that to sit with him is enough. Like, God doesn't need you to ask him for anything in order for his kindness and his goodness to be directed toward you. Sometimes we just need to be disconnected from the idea that it's only going to happen if you pray for it. Malarkey. God will do things for you that you never asked for. God will answer prayers you never prayed. Some of the best prayers are the ones you don't pray. Some of the best prayer is simply to show up and sit in his presence. Like, God is not looking for performers. He's not even looking for religious performers. He's not, you know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need you to worship him real loud and, and to pray like a crazy person or something. He, you know, great. You want to do it? It's great. I, in fact, I believe in all of that. But he doesn't need you to do it. And, and it's not like our prayers are activating switches of his goodness toward you. It's like, oh, you prayed 20 minutes today. I can finally turn on my kindness to you. It's been off for like 38 years, but you finally did 20 minutes of prayer. You know, if you'll ever fast for three days, I can turn a couple more buttons on for you. 
I just want you to know God is not capricious. God is not petty. God is not small. God is kind. God is, God is better to you than you are. You know, I mean, like, come on. And so sometimes the real and truest prayer is to simply sit in his presence and, sit, and to say to God, it is enough for me to be here with you. And just begin to trust that like whatever else is happening in life, everything is father filtered. He's, he's working with you. He's working in you. He's working around you. And, and I'm not having to work for my good life, you know? God wants to do good things for you. All right, I've probably preached about enough. Oh, I feel the Lord, though. I feel the Lord. Yeah, four ways to pray. You can walk it, you can journal it, you can memorize it, and then you can sit in silence. And by the way, there's like a hundred other ways to pray. There's a hundred other ways to pray. Figure it out. Uh, hey, uh, by the way, if you need help figuring out how to pray, would you just email me and we'll set up a time and you can come to my office and we will talk about how to pray. I will teach you how to pray. Uh, this is something I can tell you. I am 44 years old. I do know how to pray. I'm going to get better at it too, but it, it's taken me a long time and I actually do know how to pray now. And we can teach each other how to pray. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us. <coughs> teach us. We can all learn. We can all learn. So if you need help, I'd love to help you. All right. Hey, if you're on the worship band this morning, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.